Welcome to Jukebox Week 3, uh, a crazy, crazy message series, but it's in the middle of the summer and I thought you'd have fun with this. That's from one of my favorite uh, Netflix binge watches, which is uh, The Flash. If you haven't seen The Flash, that's a lot of fun. I, I enjoy that series an awful lot. But the song isn't from The Flash, that's just a, that's a drop in there, but how powerful songs are, yeah? I mean, they change our lives. Uh, the musicals, I, one of my earliest memories is my dad taking us to the Starlight Theater for, uh, for The Sound of Music. I mean, you just, it, the musicals, they're powerful. The, the most recent one, uh, The Greatest Showman, and there's some really godly themes in some of that stuff. And, uh, and also a bearded lady there. So anyway, you can see that if you want to. But powerful, powerful, powerful. The songs, the lyrics, you add a, a little video with it, and uh, it, it goes in a heart where somebody might have a closed heart. They might have a, a hard heart. The Bible talks about a heart of stone. And uh, so we don't want that, you know. So you've got it uh, with all the songs the worship team did this morning and with that opening video. Today's theme is Songs of the Heart. And there are so many about Songs of the Heart. Heart songs have been around for a long, long time. And there's, a, there's some really, really good ones. Like there's a, a big pile of them right here. Listen to these. You gotta love the Beatles, right? Keep going. I know I'm, I'm giving you my age by playing these songs, aren't I? This is a newbie, though. I can sing this song really good when I'm alone in my car. Oh, Elton John, right? And what was her name? Kiki or some weird name? She got a weird name. 
All right, she wasn't going to break his heart because he's gay. He wasn't interested in her anyway. So that's not, that's not something that's going on there. So there are some good heart songs, lots of great heart songs. And we're going to share some of them today because even secular songs, there's lots of good Christian songs, but uh, there's some great uh, secular songs that have this heart theme. And, and you know why? It's because the heart's where it's at. This is the big thing. Not only are there some good heart songs, there's also some really bad ones and I only saw I don't want to hear bad heart songs so I only picked one for you right here and I bet you could guess it here we go I think there's a line dance that goes with this but I don't know how it goes oh my gosh forgive me forgive me come back Holy Spirit come back come back come back all right, so be, before we get busy, though, with heart songs, I want you to remember the core verse for this series, and so we're going to put that up for you to see, and I wonder if you'd just say the, the first part of it with me. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. Now, I don't know if you ever saw Jesus or the disciples doing this. Uh, Peter, you will deny me three times. I mean, there's just not going on in the Bible, okay? So there's got to be some, no, I won't, no, I won't, no, I won't, you know, and, and then he does, you know. Uh, Rooster sounds were, you know, in the second track uh, of that song. But anyway, I mean, the Bible wants us to have joyful hearts, hearts that break forth in song. Uh, the, the songs of today are wisdom. Sometimes God interjects his truths, even in what you might think would be a hardcore secular song. The, the message of heaven, the message of get that fall down and get back up, the message of you got, got to fix your heart. Your heart's got to be right before God. Those messages are clear and simple in, in so many, so very many songs. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, spiritual songs in the Spirit. Sing and make melody in their heart for the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of Jesus Christ. So we use the power of music to talk about the importance of the heart. And here's what God wants you to know about the importance of the heart. And by the way, we need to define the heart because we're not talking about some loosey-goosey Valentine's Day cut-out doily thing here. We're talking about the epicenter of your life. Uh, we're talking about the seat of your will and emotions. We're talking about the deepest place of every person in this room. We're talking about the soul. We're talking about using terms like ask Jesus into your heart. We said that to the children this week because it's the place of control and you, you make him the Lord of your life, the, the Lord over the control center of your soul. Your heart is the headquarters for everything you say and do. It is your coach, your boss, your guide, your conscience, the voice in your head, the tug that you feel. The condition of your heart makes you into the kind of person that you are. And so you want your heart to be good and clean and filled with good things and Christ to be in it and his word to be alive in it. Proverbs chapter 15 verse 13 says, A glad heart, a glad heart makes a cheerful face. It radiates out of you. Your personality radiates out of what kind of heart. Sometimes a person's heart will betray them. A glad heart makes for a cheerful face, but the, a sorrowful heart makes the spirit crush. And you see people, you can see it in their eyes, the windows to the soul, the windows to the heart. You can tell what's going on inside there. It's, it's good or, or it's bad. But the heart is the epicenter of it all and the guiding force of you. So you need to pay attention to it. 
You, you don't just drift through life. You manage the heart, and you manage your life. You manage your heart, you manage your relationships. You manage your heart, you manage your salvation, and your forever. A great story in the Bible about a guy with a bad temper. He had a bad heart. That's why he had a bad temper. Most of the time when somebody's got a short fuse, there's a conflict on the inside. This guy was not a good person. He had a dark heart. He was driven by pride. He was arrogant. He was pushy. Sometimes a very dark human. They even had to calm him down with instrumental music. That's how powerful music. His name was Saul. And Saul was made king, not by God, but by the people. Uh, the, the, the nation of Israel had four groups of people. They had judges, they had prophets, they had priests. And, and that was fine because those three things operated in a theocracy where God was in charge and he spoke and the judges and the prophets and the priests would act out whatever God said to do. And then, and then the people looked around and they saw the other nations and the other nations had elections every four years. This was a bad idea, right? But that's what they wanted. They, everybody else had a king, and so they wanted some, uh, a seat at the table with the other nations. So they said, we got to have a king. And they clamored for a king. And so they put up Saul. Saul became the king. And he didn't start out too bad. God's hand was a little bit in it. Uh, he protected his people, even though there was a, a leader that wasn't with a good heart. And uh, as time went on, Saul made more and more selfish and, uh, and evil decisions. And as a result of that, God replaced him. He didn't kill him. He replaced him. In fact, he was still king when another man, was, David, was made king. So there was incredible jealousy. And you can read about all that in, in your Bible sometime. Look it up. Read about it. But um, it's an Old Testament story. And he has the distinction of being Israel's first king. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, the prophet Samuel is being commanded by God, I'm done with Saul, I want you to go and pick a new king. And you're going to get him out of the house of Jesse. Well, Jesse and his wife kissed a lot, and so there were a bunch of kids. There were a lot of kids. And uh, so many kids, in fact, that the house was full. And so when Samuel showed up at Jesse's house, he went through them, oldest to youngest, or tallest or mightiest or however the dad brought him forward because it was like Cinderella with a glass slipper. One of these boys is going to end up being Israel's king. And so here come the boys parading through the living room, kind of like a, a, a coach scouting for the, the best, the next player for his team, trying to pick somebody. And, uh, and here's, here's God's instruction to Samuel when he was to make this choice. Sa Samuel, do not look at the appearance do not look at their height of their stature because um, I'm, I'm not interested in that. I've rejected that. The Lord sees not as man sees. Man holds on to outward appearances, but the Lord looks on the heart. That's a beautiful verse. Went through 11 boys, and none of them were God's pick. And so Samuel's like, do you have any more kids? I mean, I can't imagine you would, but do you have any more kids? Well, there is that one. He's out shepherding the sheep. Well, could you please go get him? I need to talk to him. And they brought David in, and he was young and ruddy and, and just a boy, really. And the anointing of God fell upon that boy, and he became the king of Israel. 
also the oil in the flask was broken and poured over his head. If you allow me a corny play on words with our jukebox theme, I'd like to present to you four heartbeats. Music, beats, all right, all right. Maybe I should have stayed a little longer on that, worked on it, but four heartbeats from the Bible. And I'm going to tell them to you straight up front, and then I'm going to illustrate each one of them quickly. And the third one, I've asked um, the chairman of our elders board, uh, Vandy, to come up and do the third point. Is that okay with you? So she's going to work her story and, and uh, into our third. But here's, here's the four heartbeats that come from God from the Bible. Number one, God challenges us to fill our hearts with good. Number two, God challenges us to protect our hearts from evil. Number three, when it gets broken, and it does. When it gets damaged, and it does. And when it gets darkened, God can put light in there. He can put love in there. He can heal it. God can heal your heart. And finally, the work of salvation really is about God giving us a new heart. So let's just get to that a little bit and do the first one. God challenges us to fill our hearts with good. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8 says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Do you remember this song? You know where it's from? Turn on your heart light. E.T., go home or come home or... Neil Diamond? All right, that's really old. That's way older than me, Neil Diamond. He's talking about the, the heart light and, you know, putting good in our hearts, and that's what we need to do. Proverbs 4:23. keep your heart with all vigilance. That means it's under your care. Isn't that interesting? You, keep your heart. Don't expose it. You know, you've got these windows to the soul. You have what you, what you watch and what you hear. And what you, these are called be good gatekeepers. And you need to put, a, put gates over your eyes and ears and protect your heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, you know. And so we got to, with all vigilance, keep your heart. Um, because from it flows, it's the epicenter of your life, the springs of life. So if you're watching stuff, you ought not be watching. If you're listening to stuff, you ought not be listening. It affects you, folks. It affects what you, how you're going to be. It's going to influence you, so you've got to be careful about all of that. Also, Matthew 6.21 says, Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And here's just a little trick if you want to get your heart in a good place, is you give your life to the things that are good. Uh, our offerings on Sunday are a great opportunity for you to invest in the most beautiful thing that can happen, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ, helping people have forgiveness of sin and to live forever. That's a good investment. And when you put your resources into that, it, your heart goes there. Your heart goes toward the gospel. It's not just that either. I mean, doing good deeds in Christ, it, you can you know, invest in many ways where your time goes, where your treasure goes, where your talents go, that your heart's going to follow that. You say, I don't know if I can ever get over something. Well, start investing in something else, and the other thing will go away. Your heart will re-establish itself on another footing. So where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Number two, the first one is you've got to keep your heart, you've got to protect your heart, uh, you've got you to uh, uh, be vigilant to, to, 
to put good things in your heart. Number two is God challenges us uh, to protect our hearts from evil. It's kind of an overlap of put good in it. Um, so here's, uh, yeah, I got I to gotta play this one here. So you have. Yeah, it's just, uh, this was the name of somebody I can't remember her. Hey, thank you. Okay, this is really a love song, and she's like, uh, before you let that guy walk out the door, you better listen to your heart. So that's a love song, but I, it's a good song, too, to, to illustrate number two point, which is that God challenges us to, to listen. You, you, know, you know when something's not right. We've all been in that situation where we're bothered by something we said, something we did, and we can't sleep, and we just can't put it out, and so we've got to fix it. Listen to your heart. Uh, God challenges us to protect our hearts from evil. J Jeremiah 17.9 says that the heart can be deceitful as heck. So you've got to really be careful about this. It can be desperately sick. Who can even understand matters of the heart? Uh, maybe Dr. Phil, but it, it, other than him, I don't know who might be able to help you out with that. Matthew 15.19, it says, out of the heart comes, look at this, evil thoughts, murder, Slander, adultery, theft, false witness. Wow, you get, that, you get your heart right and those things will go away. You're struggling with a problem. The problem is not your behavior. Your behavior is a symptom of your, your guts, your inside, your, your heart, what's in your heart. Matthew 12, 34, Jesus rebuked the Pharisees for not taking care of business with their heart. They didn't protect their heart. Brood of vipers. This is as, about as hard as Jesus gets. You, you, how can you speak good when you're evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So be careful about your words or watch your words because they reveal what's going on. Yeah, that's why you're interviewed before the job. Uh, now they don't interview anymore. They just go look at what your words were on Facebook. But anyway, however, you, however your words get out there, uh, that's, that's what happens with that. So first of all, you want to put good things in your heart. Second is that God challenges us to protect it. Because if you don't protect it, it can get dark pretty fast. And the third one, I'm going to invite Vandy to come up, and I think that mic is on. When your heart is broken, damaged, or darkened, God can heal our hearts. So while she's coming, let's play her pick for a go-in song. Here we go. It's like a basketball player coming out on the... <laughs> Thank you for doing this. night and I thought oh he gave me four minutes five minutes seven minutes tops and I better better scroll it down so um, not going the autobiographical route uh, you heard the song um, I'm gonna actually start off with the fact that I came from a huge family of believers huge both my mom's side and my dad's side were devout Christian 
Um, my grandfather was an evangelical Baptist minister. Uh, six children, everyone had lots and lots of children and every single one of those kids believed. So there was never a time in my life growing up that you did not have prayer at breakfast, you did not have prayer at lunch, you did not have prayer at dinner. It was always there, prayer was always there. One of the probably biggest differences between now and then is that what I see like on Facebook is, you know, adults share everything with their kids. They, they share with their children. They're very honest, they're very transparent, they're very informing. Uh, that wasn't the case when I grew up. And it's kind of a variance because adults were adults and kids were kids. And there wasn't a lot of, you know, if somebody was doing something they weren't supposed to, it wasn't in the open, it was very private. So I think as a child, I had a perhaps unrealistic view of what it really meant to be a Christian. It seemed easy, tremendously easy. You know, um, you got up in the morning, you did your absolutions, you said your prayers, you ate your breakfast, and you went off and did whatever you were going to do. Fast forward. Uh, whoop, wait, no, I forgot my proverb. So proverb three, five to seven. So this, would, this kind of sums up what I was taught, right? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord and turn away from all evil. Just as an aside, my grandfather would have said, revere the Lord. There was no fearing, it was all about revering. Um, but that's how I was brought up. And that was very much the norm. You know, talk to God, he'll keep you on the straight and narrow. Uh, keep your beliefs in the forefront, you'll do what's right. It's always in your heart, it's always there. Well, then I go off to college, and guess what? None of those people were there. And suddenly, you've got a very secular world. I grew up in a time of women's liberation. We were burning our bras. We were starting with birth control. Um, alcohol was around. It just, it, life changed. Life changed a lot. So I survived. Made it through. Got through college. Get married. Made a bad decision. Got divorced. A few years go by. Get married again. Probably made a worse decision, but I didn't know it because I was desperately in love. When they talk about madly in love, I was madly in love. And when you think about the song, Total Eclipse of the Heart, um, it was very true. Once upon a time, I was falling in love, right? Now I was only falling apart. So I was married for a number of years. We were trying desperately to have a baby. Um, I was at that point of giving up. I'd had multiple miscarriages and was ready to concede defeat and actually was pregnant for the, what I considered the final time and had found myself every time I walked into a grocery store and saw a pregnant woman after having had a miscarriage, I hated her. Like just couldn't understand it. So now I, I'm pregnant, I'm 30 days flat on my back trying to maintain a pregnancy. I probably had the worst pregnancy on record, started throwing up the day I got pregnant and stopped the day I delivered Molly. Um, but she was worth it, right? She was worth it. Seven months go by, and I suddenly realize my marriage is gone. It's failed. 
Um, not even sure how it happened, not really sure why it happened. As far as I knew, life was good. Everything was great, but it wasn't. It wasn't. When they talk about your heart breaking, and I don't know if anybody has experienced this to this degree, I'm, I'm going to bet if I were to ask for a show of hands, probably everybody would say at some point, yes. But I literally can remember the night that I felt my heart tear into pieces. And when they talk about your heart breaking, it's such a true statement. You know, there were sharp shards piercing my lungs. Every breath I took, I couldn't catch my breath. I literally was on my knees. I had a seven-month-old child. I wanted my marriage to work, and I had a husband who didn't. So what do you do? You go back to your roots. You call your mom, you call your dad, and you say, hey, it's not going how I thought. Can I please come home? And some of y'all were here for my dad's funeral, my stepfather's funeral, and you'll know that at the time I was living in South Florida, and he literally made a three-hour drive in less than two hours. Okay, now that's love. <laughs> that's somebody who's looking out for you. He... Um, got there, the rest of the family got there, my sisters, my brother-in-laws, everybody, and they literally, in the course of a day, not, not I've left probably a key part out, um, my husband had gone on a weekend um, event, right? So he wasn't there, so I didn't have to worry about him being there to stop us from packing up. And Molly and I moved home. We get home, I'm devastated. I. Um, I don't like being out of control. That's why the level of discomfort with doing this today, because I like to have control. I don't like to ask questions I don't know the answers to, that type of thing. So it was, um, that was a really difficult time. My mom gave me three days. I guess it's kind of like Jesus in the tomb. You get three days to feel abandoned, to feel dark, to be miserable beyond belief, to wallow in your self-pity. Not that Jesus was doing that, but I certainly was. You know, I had a seven-month-old child, and I just couldn't get a grip. And so day three, she said, okay, curtains up, go get a shower, wash your hair, shave your legs, get dressed, do your hair, put on your makeup, make sure you got some lipstick on, because lipstick in my mother's world fixed everything. There was nothing lipstick could not fit or spit, right? You always had the spit, your hair, whatever it was. So literally the darkest time of my life was allowed three days to, to start healing. And prayer. My mom prayed with me. My grandmother was still alive and she prayed with me. I went to Atlanta and my other grandmother prayed with me. And having all that family support and not feeling like a failure that I felt like, because at night it would come in droves. It would constantly come at night, it sneaks up on you. And finally through prayer and through support I was able to overcome those feelings of inadequacy, those feelings of failure. You know, I hadn't blown one marriage, I blew two. Um, obviously, I had to do something with me because I was the common factor. You know, those were the types of things that go through your head. And yet, when you can put it in prayer, you can get the comfort from the Lord. 
So now we're going to fast forward, right? So I go back to school. Um, my career's taking off. God is working miracles in my life left and right. Quick example, I'd gone to register for college. I'd already gone through college. I had a four-year degree in gerontology, probably why I really, truly love elderly people, and I ended up in the career I'm in. But I went back to school to become a nurse. I knew I needed a job that would sustain Molly and I, and I knew that that was a job that would be available wherever you were in the world. We then, um, so anyway, I go to registration. I get all my classes but one, and the one I need is the one I have to have to be able the next semester to take the next one, which is going to actually get me out of school in roughly 18 months, right? So I'm on the fast track, but that class is not available. And I'd walked outside, and I sat down, and I said a prayer. And I told God, I said, if this is the path you really have for me, I honestly need this class, and I don't know how you're going to make this rabbit come out of this hat, but I need this class. And I started to walk back past, and the woman came out, the, um, the registrar in those days, forgive me, we used punch cards. It wasn't all fancy Nancy, didn't get to go online and do everything, it was literally a punch card. And she comes out holding a card, and she says, somebody just dropped the class, I held it for you. And I was like, holy smokes, thank you. So, career takes off, I'm working in a great field. Um, I actually did not do hands-on nursing for an extended period of time. I ended up going into managed care, went to work for United Healthcare, and God always put me literally at the right place in the right time. So I started out doing telephonic care management and then was given an opportunity to become a manager of a brand new program for Medicaid in the state of Florida, and then it just, it just perpetuated. So my life was coming together in a really great way. And then um, Molly and I, I had been in a relationship. I ended that relationship. Molly and I move out. We buy our own home. Life is going well. I'm traveling like a crazy woman, which probably was a little bit on the dark too. But I'm traveling all the time. And uh, Molly got pregnant, right? So here I am with a teenager who's pregnant. She told me I could share this. She said, all y'all know anyway. And... Uh, the baby um, has a, a genetic problem, and we know she's going to die. And I have to put in a plug right now for Jerry, because Jerry helped get our family through this, like there was no tomorrow. So um, we're planning, basically, for a baby to die. She's in a NICU, level three over at St. Joe's. Um, she's. We're, we're getting ready to baptize her, right? Well, I guess we should call it a dedication. We're getting ready to dedicate her. And literally that same day, my mother dies totally unexpectedly out of the blue. So here I am, right? Been in a dark place, getting all my light back. Now all of a sudden, I'm hitting a dark spot. You know, my dad is freaking out. My sisters are freaking out. My daughter is freaking out. I wanted to freak out. I wanted to freak out, and I couldn't because it kept being in the back of my head. You've got to be strong. You've got to stay in control. It's going to be okay. Pray. And Jerry prayed a lot. Came and did the dedication at the hospital. Um, my mom, three days later, we buried her. And the thing that got us through was literally 
prayer. I can't tell you how much the notes of encouragement meant, how much the hugs, the care and concern meant. When your heart is as broken as our family's was, a family like this is what gets you through. And having a foundation, I'm going to put in a plug for VBS, having a foundation of having been brought up in a Christian home with Christian values that even though I strayed, and I strayed more than once, and I still, every now and then, make a bad decision, but just having those values to come back to that helps you to know that God really is there. He never left me. I left him a lot. There were a lot of times I left him at the door. Oh, I'm going out. I'm going to have fun. Hey, hang out here. I'll be here. Or you be here when I get back. Yeah, the Bible's there. It'll be there when I get back. I'm going to go have fun. I'll come back. I'll do a little repentance. Life is good. We move on. And it's really not about that. It's really about finding that perspective that we talk about every Sunday in our um, uh, prayer of faith. I couldn't think of what to call it, but in our prayer of faith. And it came down to, I want to be that person that God wants me to be. That that t-shirt that says believe plus receive equals become. I've always, oops, sorry. I've always been a believer. I can't say I've never not been a believer. I wasn't always a receiver, but I became a receiver. And now I'm at the phase of my life that I want to become. I want to become that person that God expects me to be and has planned for me. He created a plan for me. He's had great plans for me. I just needed to listen. I just needed to get on board. So in Proverbs 27, 19, it says, as in water, face reflects face, so the heart of man reflects the man. And earlier, Jerry talked about the windows being, the eyes being the windows of the soul, and it reflects what's in your heart. That's what I want for me. That's what I want for my family. That's what I want for each and every believer, is that what you see in them is what's really radiating out of them. That's what's really who they're about. And so on that part, I guess it's, I, I choose to follow Christ and I choose to have um, God in my life. And I, I choose to pray and I choose to sing and I fail so many times, but I know that through repentance, God forgives me. And so when I surrender, and my last song is, so will I, so when I surrender, it's that, as it's God, as you speak, a hundred billion failures disappear. He doesn't hold it against me. He's going to forgive me. Where you lost your life so I could find it here. God gave up his only son to die for me and resurrected him to overcome death so I could be washed clean of my sins. And then I can see your heart and everything you've done. I can look back over my life and see what he has done for me. And maybe I didn't always appreciate the direction he took it, but I get it now. 
and I'm grateful for that. Every part designed in a work of art called love, if you gladly chose surrender, so will I. And that's what I want to say today, is I am surrendering control. Tremendously hard to do, but I'm surrendering control. Because God heals broken hearts, God can heal anything. That's it for me, thank Amen. you. powerful video. You can watch the rest of that on uh, YouTube. What a beautiful, beautiful song. And uh, thank you, Vandy, 100%. Fantastic. Fantastic. Um, I can't l let go of what you've been through without a little Tony Braxton. I just played just a clip of this. Go, go ahead and play that. Uh, I just had to do that. I, I had to do that. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. I just needed to hear that. It was, it was what you were saying, right? That's what God did for you. 
The work of salvation is to give us a new heart. Matthew 22:37 says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. I love a little Huey Lewis in the news fits in right here, don't you think? It'd be this song here. It'll heal you. The love of God breaks through every barrier and brings health to us. He makes our heart strong, gives us the ability to love people and to love Him. Ezekiel eleven nineteen says, I will give them one heart, a new spirit I put in them. I will remove their heart of stone from their flesh and I will give them a new heart. A fleshy heart, one that feels again. John 7 38 says, Whoever believes in me, as the scripture says, out of their heart will flow rivers of living water. And I can't leave you, even though we're, we're a little after, so pardon me for that, but I can't leave you without a hymn. So I, I found an old quartet that did this song well. I had to do it. Sea billows roll. Oh, that's nice. Uh, we're not going to play the last video song. Uh, David Crowder and, and Chris Tomlin did a song. I'm going to have the worship team come. We're going we're to sing this song, and then we'll do our offering, our prayer of faith as well. But just to close with this, uh, John 14, 1 through 3, that says, Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you, and I go and prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come and take you to myself. Now that's forever love right there, so that you will be where I am. Let's pray together our prayer of faith this morning, can we? Heavenly Father, I know that I am a sinner in need of a Savior, and I believe that Jesus' death on the cross is payment for my sins. Lord Jesus, I humbly ask for your forgiveness. Come into my heart, come into my life, and make me into the person you want me to be. I hope you've enjoyed today's Heart Songs jukebox. I sure have enjoyed what Mandy had to share, her faith story today. Beautiful indeed. And uh, thank you, Mandy, for that.